You're listening to episode number 105 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, and today's episode is a look back on how I got into the modeling industry and why I quit modeling after signing to an agency. If you're new here, my name is Kaylee. I'm the host of Self-Care Sunday, a podcast I started after experiencing intense burnout from my first startup. I wanted Self-Care Sunday to be a minimal media project to essentially document my own mental health and business journey. So in this podcast, we talk about everything related to social media, entrepreneurship, creativity, and of course, self-care. And I occasionally bring in guests who I admire to share their own journeys and lessons learned. If you're a returning subscriber, hey, while you're listening, please screenshot this episode and share on your Instagram story tagging at Self-Care Sunday. It helps new listeners find the show. Every week I share a self-care Sunday recommendation, which is a product, a book, a podcast, something that I've been loving this week in regards to my self-care. This week's self-care Sunday recommendation is actually a website. It is a retailer because sometimes retail therapy is self-care. I love online shopping. I love shopping in general. I have gotten a lot better at becoming, I think, a conscious consumer in the past few years. And I actually did a fashion sustainability series on the podcast about a year ago when I went to New York Fashion Week for the first time. I interviewed different designers around what sustainability in fashion actually means and how that word is thrown around a lot and can mean different things to different designers and can mean different things when it's marketed in different ways by different brands. So if you scroll back to episodes 57 through 60, there is a few episodes there on fashion sustainability when it comes to being environmentally friendly, ethical, and talking with a few different independent designers, both from Canada and the United States on what that actually means in the fashion industry. So I've been really interested in this topic for a long time, and as somebody who loves to shop, shopping secondhand has become a way for me to kind of fulfill that want and desire to purchase new things, quote-unquote new things, but doing so in a bit of a more sustainable way that is not feeding into the fast fashion cycles, but rather helping kind of give a new home to pieces that are pre-owned. And so in 2020, when everything shut down and I could not fulfill my desire to thrift, I turned online and I found ThreadUp, which is basically one of the largest online thrift stores. It's part consignment and I would say the majority of clothing there is similar to what you would find maybe if you were hunting at a thrifting store like a Value Village or a Goodwill. And so it's not a ton of high-end designer consignment type things like you would find on The Real Real. It's more kind of everyday brands. And so they literally have tens of thousands of items. And this is not a sponsored ad, by the way. I just really <laughs> love Thread Up. And I have spent hours and hours on that site over the past year or so. And I've kind of found a few hacks because as a Canadian shopping online at U.S. stores, I'm sure many of my Canadians can feel the pain of doing those U.S. dollar conversions and paying for shipping and paying for duties and customs. And so I actually made a YouTube video that I will link in the show notes below that is part thread up haul sharing some of the pieces that I got in a recent order 
and part tips as a Canadian if you are thrifting online, specifically on ThreadUp, some things to look for in the descriptions and just how I kind of most efficiently make orders without spending a ton on fees. So I'm going to leave that YouTube video linked in the show notes below and happy thrifting! Okay, so today's episode is about something that I haven't talked about in a very long time, which is why I quit modeling and how I got into modeling in the first place. And I think it's been so long that most people who follow me now or are in my life now at this stage of my life don't even know that I used to model before getting into the fashion industry on the brand side and working in influencer marketing way back like 10 years ago was when I first started modeling and I really loved the creative aspect of it but it definitely did affect my mental health and so I wanted to do kind of a throwback reflection episode talking about how I got into modeling, how it affected my mental health, why I quit, and how I feel about that creative side of the industry now. Because in a way, modeling is very similar to content creation in general, but at the same time, it is very, very different to be a content creator, um, you know, taking your own photos and doing things in your own style and editing your own photos and all of that versus just being a face on something that you don't really have any other control over. You don't have control over the way that your photos are edited or what clothing you're wearing or how you're being styled or your hair or makeup or any of that. So let's start with how I got into modeling. We're going to go back uh, just a little over 10 years. My very first modeling experience was when I was in junior high school. So I think I would have been in grade 9 probably. And the reason I did my very first photo shoot is because I got accepted to do Miss Teen Canada. I was chosen as Miss Teen Southern Alberta and in order to get everything in line and ready for the competition and the pageant, I had to do headshots and a photo shoot basically to submit to the judges um, because one of the categories in the pageant was most photogenic, I think. And so I did my very first photo shoot with a family friend who is like a family slash nature photographer, I think. I wore a dress that I remember being so obsessed with, but looking back at the photos, it was honestly a really horrendous, not flattering dress at all. It was like this plum purple, almost peplum dress, but just hugged in all the wrong places. It had like a spaghetti halter and ballooned out in a way and then kind of got sucked into like a spandex bodycon type situation. It was just honestly a terrible dress Um, but I remember you know this would have been I was like 15 so this was like 13 years ago. I remember thinking that dress was just like fashion and cool and so that was the dress that I wore for my very first photo shoot we went to the park in my hometown and I like sat in the grass and like stood beside a tree and did those kind of like portrait style photos and I remember getting the photos back and thinking I looked so stunning and just loved the headshots loved the experience of receiving back photos that I felt really proud of and pretty in 
and submitted those to the pageant and that was my very first photo shoot. So my experience at Miss Teen Canada could probably be its own episode and if you guys are curious about what that was like, I'm happy to do an episode on that. But basically when I was there, part of the competition was also doing a photo shoot in your like show gown basically and with your sash and it was this big deal. Um, So that was, I guess, my second ever photo shoot and that was a lot more professional. It was like studio lighting, a backdrop, a professional like fashion photographer, but it lasted probably 10 minutes because there was like 30 girls that they had to get through. And so after those kind of two experiences, I was like, wait, I kind of love this photo shoot modeling thing. It's really fun to get glammed up, to get your hair and makeup done, to put on a cute outfit or a cute dress or something that you love and get photos taken where you look good. So those are my first two experiences. And after that, I became really interested in modeling and never really thought that I would be a professional model by any means, but it was kind of my first foray into the fashion industry even before I worked in social media or anything else. Then when I got to university, I started dating this guy who lived in my residence and one of his best friends from high school was a photographer and she was studying photography at the art school in the same town that I went to university in. And we were dating and he's like, you know, you should really meet my friend Allie. She is a photographer. You could model for her. I think you two would get along. And now Allie and I joke that if nothing else, that ex-boyfriend of mine introduced the two of us and we became good friends and are still friends many years later. You can listen to episodes with Allie Beckwith, episode number four. 46 and 61, I believe, are episodes with Allie, who is now not only a photographer, but a full-time creative entrepreneur, influencer, artist. She's incredible. You can find her on Instagram at Allie Beckwith. And so in university, Allie and I would get together on evenings or weekends and do these creative photo shoots together, um, just like for fun. (laughs) Like we would just have an idea to shoot like a fashion outfit outside on the street or go to like a cool looking building and just did these fun photo shoots. And I think it was around that time that I started looking into how I could do this more. And it was still just like a fun thing for me. Again, I didn't really have plans to become a professional model or anything. I was in university for a philosophy and politics degree and was taking that really seriously, but this was kind of my hobby at the time. And again, this was pre-Instagram, pre-content creation. Like, I think blogging was a thing, but definitely that whole influencer space did not exist the way that it does now. And so, This wasn't even to like post and share with anybody really. It was honestly just for the art of it and to have fun and have these cool photos. Um, And so around that time is when I started looking on Facebook for different Facebook groups of like photographers or photographers and models and um, looking into how to do like 
TFP shoots with other photographers or collabs, TFP being like trade for photos, meaning that nobody was getting paid. You just like meet up with a photographer. You both agree to just like trade your time to collaborate with each other. And so I started meeting with other photographers and sometimes hair and makeup artists and we would get together and do these fun creative photo shoots or fashion photo shoots and sometimes I would love the photos and sometimes I would get the photos back and think oh my gosh I look terrible in these and that was kind of my first time that I started to get self-conscious of what I looked like in photos working with other photographers who maybe didn't necessarily have my style or who just have a different eye than the way that you see yourself. And so when I started working with more and more people, I started getting photos back that were definitely, I felt like were not my best angle or I felt like I didn't look the best in that specific shot, even though that shot might be technically like lighting wise or Um, with the props or what have you, it might be the best quote-unquote shot, but I felt like my face didn't look the best or my body or whatever it was. And so it wasn't until that point that I really started to get a little bit self-conscious about what I looked like in these photos. And looking back, like as a young adult, of course, there are times that you feel self-conscious about the way that you look, you know, looking in the mirror and picking at little things about yourself or noticing small flaws that usually only you notice because you're the person staring at yourself the most. But I don't ever remember feeling incredibly insecure about the way I looked in photographs, and maybe that's just because photos were not like posted publicly to your entire peer group back when I was still in high school. Like, yes, we had Facebook albums, but it was just It felt like a totally different time and totally different way of sharing yourself versus now where sharing yourself online and having photos of yourself being presently shown to everybody in your peer group like constantly, especially being in the influencer space. But I think even regardless of that, like how present social media is in our lives and things like snapchat and video and and photo just like i feel overly conscious of the way that i look and i think it really did kind of root and start in some of those photo shoots that i was doing with other photographers and starting to see like this is how other people perceive me versus how i perceive myself and i think becoming a young adult and becoming like a hyper user of social media and then eventually getting into content creation where you literally are showing up like every single day and showing yourself to people in your network and your peer group. A lot of that self-consciousness stemmed and started in university for me. And I think too, when I think of my experience in university and getting into modeling, part of that was a desire to be validated in a way because in high school I was never the popular person. I didn't feel like a popular person. I didn't go to parties. I was really focused on my studies and extracurriculars and so moving across the country and you know getting into a university program where I knew practically nobody and was kind of able to reinvent myself a little bit. I think modeling became something for me that was a way for me to feel good about myself and good about the way that I looked. In addition to that creative and hobby aspect was 
partially me like wanting that external validation even though in the beginning like those photos were not being shown to really anybody it was pre-social media and pre-instagram but as social media kind of developed and the way that we communicate with each other changed throughout my university experience the modeling aspect kind of went hand in hand with that and so by my last year in university I was doing quite a few photo shoots I would say every month and it was around that time I think like my second year of university is when Instagram kind of became a thing I think that's when I downloaded Instagram for the first time but it was very much just something that I used to share photos with my friends and like my boyfriend and my family. And then by my last year of university, I think I had like a couple thousand followers on Instagram and I was doing quite a few photo shoots. I was posting these photos now to social media as well, which is something that was new. Like when I first started doing these photo shoots, I wasn't really posting them anywhere other than my Facebook page and albums. Um, but the introduction of social media, and when I say social media, I mean Instagram in the way that Instagram felt very different than Facebook, I think. Like, at the time, Facebook was really the people that you knew, and like, people that you went to high school with, your immediate family, but it wasn't like strangers really following you on Facebook. Whereas on Instagram, it felt very different and so when I started posting a lot of those modeling photos on Instagram I think that is where my original maybe unhealthy relationship with Instagram started to manifest because the moment that you start posting things for external validation and external approval on social media you are just beginning to dig your own grave and so it was around that time that I was finishing my degree and I learned about something called Atlantic Fashion Week, which is the biggest fashion week on the East Coast, and I was going to school in New Brunswick. So in Canada, you basically have Toronto Fashion Week, Vancouver Fashion Week, and Atlantic Fashion Week. Um, There's some things here and there that have grown since then, but at the time, those were like the main weeks, and I think Montreal might have had something, but the fashion space in Canada is just it's always been quite small and is relatively non-existent compared to a place like New York. And so Atlantic Fashion Week was basically all of the best designers in Atlantic Canada, Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, who all came together and showcased their pieces. And there was a big casting call for models to walk the Atlantic Fashion Week runway and if you were an aspiring model in Atlantic Canada, that was where you went to be fully validated that you had any sort of substance as a model, essentially. And so I went to this casting call with one of my friends who was a photographer at the time. I auditioned for Atlantic Fashion Week, and I got chosen by, I think, two designers, Um, to walk in their shows and that was like a gold star at the time like I remember feeling so excited and also just like cool like the idea that you will be a model walking on a runway like whether it's Atlantic Fashion Week or New York Fashion Week it's just a cool feeling 
in the back end of all of this happening, um, my final year of university, I was also really struggling with an eating disorder. At the time, I did not really recognize the correlation between my eating disorder and my modeling hobby. And because I had been modeling for so many years up until being diagnosed with an eating disorder, I didn't think it was a cause and effect that I had developed an eating disorder because I was modeling. That definitely was not the case. And eating disorders, for those who are not super familiar, are actually way more mental than they are physical. Um, it is a mental illness and without going too far deep into my eating disorder history, which maybe that can be its own episode on itself, that story, but it really was more of a pursuit of perfection than it was a vanity thing. And by pursuit of perfection, I mean it was my last year of my undergraduate degree and for most students that's an incredibly stressful time, not knowing what your next move is after you graduate, will I be accepted to this master's program, what will I do if I don't get accepted, I need to do well on this final exam if I want to maintain this cumulative average, all of these stressors that I think just regularly affect students regardless. But I've always been quite hard on myself academically because I've always seen myself as an academic person. I've always been an overachiever in that realm and that pursuit of perfection started to manifest its way into a mental illness. Now, alongside that, it was not helpful, I don't think, that I was modeling or that modeling was my hobby at the time you know you could have a million different hobbies and of course the girl with the eating disorders hobby is modeling and those two like i said when when i was in the moment i didn't see a large connection between the two because i had enjoyed modeling prior and i didn't really think that my mental health was affected because of it but as my eating disorder developed, my perception of myself became warped. And when you have an eating disorder, your perception of your body is warped in addition to a number of other things. And so because of my eating disorder, I was losing weight, not necessarily intentionally, but as a side effect of mental illness. And that became favorable in my modeling. And so there was praise on one end where I felt like my photos were getting better. I felt better because I could fit into sample sizes for fashion weeks and that sort of thing. But at the same time, because of that warped self-perception, I would receive photos back or I would see photos of myself on the runway and feel so critical of the way that I looked, even though... I would be photoshopped or even though the garments hung perfectly on me or whatever it was, you know, from the outside looking in, people look at models and they think, well, they're gorgeous or they're so tiny, they have it so good or they're so lucky or whatever it is. And in reality, I think a lot of models and now a lot of influencers and content creators are actually more critical of themselves and of their bodies because a you're seeing more of yourself you are constantly being photographed or constantly kind of on display and so the more you see of yourself the more 
areas there are to nitpick and critique. And B, I think, because you are praised for those things and in a way held on a pedestal or are almost like expected to be that, you start to run into this this issue of perfectionism and again that pursuit of perfection that (laughs) maybe I should call this episode the pursuit of perfection where if you can't maintain that level of perfection your mental health starts to erode. So somewhere along the lines in my final year of university I think it was around the time that I got cast for Atlantic Fashion Week I also got signed to a modeling agency and I remember being so like accomplished because I had been signed to a legit agency and it was again that external validation that I was pretty or good enough or whatever those things needed to be for me to feel okay about myself. So around the time of my graduation, I think just before, I felt like I hit a breaking point where I was so stressed out about school that I didn't go to class, I emailed my professors and said that I needed extensions on everything and that I couldn't do my exams, and I felt like I had zero control, which for people with eating disorders, that is a common characteristic, which is feeling like you want control in your life, and that perfectionism kind of ties into this need for control and controlling the little things that you can if other things in your life are out of control. And so that's where a lot of the disordered eating tendencies come from, is a need for control over something. And I had really been in denial of my mental health issues up until that point, because when you are really in the depths of your mental illness, um, at least my experience, my mental illness was basically trying to convince me that nothing was wrong and that I didn't have mental illness. And there's definitely a hesitancy to seek help or actually try to get better because you become very stubborn and used to your illness in a way that it's almost comforting and I felt like it was something that made me special which is such a twisted thing to say but it's a reality that a lot of people experience which is that if you get better you don't have this thing as a crutch anymore and it like removes part of your identity and so I was really resistant and hesitant to getting better and like actually trying to get better not just like going to therapy but like going to therapy and then doing the exercises and then actually like wanting to get better that sort of thing Um, and so after that kind of breaking point around graduation I was like okay Kaylee like you actually need to get better. <laughs> like, like you can't keep pretending that things are not okay or things are okay when clearly they're not. So for the next, I think, six-ish months when I was starting my first company, which was actually a clothing line to raise awareness for mental health, which obviously tied into my recovery in a huge way, um, I worked really hard on recovery and I became friends with food again and I gained a lot of weight. And while that was healthy in one regard, um, on the other end, I became the heaviest weight that I had ever been in my entire life. And even though I was quote unquote recovered, I 
felt more self-conscious than I'd ever felt before because I did not recognize myself in my body and even though a lot of people told me, oh, you look healthy or oh, you look good, it was so foreign to me to be that weight and to look and feel that way. And the point that I chose to quit modeling was around then when I got invited back to another Atlantic Fashion Week. I was walking the runway and I didn't really fit into the sample size dress that I was supposed to, but I walked down the runway anyways and I remember seeing the photos after that runway and looking, like physically looking like I didn't fit in the dress or at least not looking the same way a lot of other models that I was friends with or that I really admired looked in the clothing. And at that point, it kind of resurfaced those feelings of getting a photo back from a photographer where I didn't love the angle or I didn't love the way my face looked in something, but I just kind of, you know, sucked it up because I was like, oh, whatever, it's one photo out of a ton and back in the day, quote unquote, back in the day, um, those photos didn't really end up anywhere. But at this point, this was one year after I graduated university, Instagram was in full swing. I think I had like 5,000 followers. Um, Social media was like a full-fledged thing. And those photos were ending up on Instagram for the designer's page or, you know, they were, they would be shared and people would see them. And that was the point that I was like, you know what, this isn't really worth it for me anymore to put myself in a position that I feel vulnerable and that I don't feel 100% confident in and that I don't have full control over the way I look or the photos that are used and it just wasn't really worth it for me to put my mental health at risk in order to fulfill a creative hobby that wasn't as fulfilling as it was when I first started. So I quit modeling, I left the agency that I was signed to, and I didn't really do any photo shoots for a very long time other than for my own clothing brand, but I didn't really view that as modeling. It just felt like part of my job at a startup to, you know, be in product shots or editorial or lifestyle shots wearing the product, but it wasn't like I was being hired by a company or going out and just working one-on-one in like a creative setting. It was very much for my job in a way that I was approving the images, I was approving the edits, I was the one selecting which photo was going to be put on the website and which would be used on Instagram, and if there was a photo I hated, it would never be used anywhere. Then when I left my first company, I kind of went full-fledged content creator and into the influencer marketing space, and at this point had, you know, a few thousand followers on Instagram, was doing my own content, taking photos of myself and posting, and it felt completely different than modeling because as a content creator, you have full creative control over everything that you're doing and everything that you post. And so I could take 100 photos and post one of them, which is the absolute best one that I love, and I can edit it myself and I can really curate the way that my feed looks and that a series of photos look. In a way, I think having that much control over your image is a positive because you're not kind of caught off guard like I was as a model receiving photos back that 
I didn't feel like I looked myself in. At the same time, now that I've been in this space for many years, so since I would say 2015-16 is when I started posting more on Instagram and then 2017 is when I left my first company and went full-time freelance and content creator, Um, so for four years at least, I've been in this space very consciously aware of everything being posted on socials and the way that the platforms work and something that I've noticed become increasingly true is being a content creator and being someone who is hyper focused on your image and the way that people perceive you and constantly thinking about the external validation that you receive from the way that you look or the photos that you post, that complex is a shortcut to a negative relationship with your mental health. It's definitely something that I'm personally still working through and I love the vulnerability that a lot of content creators are having and this trend towards actual authenticity in these conversations and transparency and how photos are edited and you know, Instagram versus reality, because I think those things are very needed. But it is kind of funny to me to sit here and reflect all the way back over the past 10 years what it has been like being somebody in front of the camera in a variety of different circumstances as a model, as a content creator, and how that journey has affected my mental health in different ways. And so at this point in my life, I would say especially the past year probably ironically 2020 was the worst year in many many ways for many people but for me personally I was able to have a lot of business growth and professional and personal growth and I feel like my mental health while yes there's always ups and downs and especially during a global pandemic in general I feel a lot more confident in myself and just better overall than when I look back five years ago, for example, and my relationship with myself and my self-image. But what's funny to me is how this self-relationship has come full circle from, you know, modeling in a creative way and using that as a hobby and an outlet to then it affecting my mental health in a negative way to then finding content creation as a way to still pursue that creative passion but without the negative mental health effects because I was fully in control of that creative to then that becoming something that negatively impacts my mental health and how it is almost cyclical in a way and like riding a wave like up and down up and down the ups are there the the creativity and the passion to create is something that has always kept me going in these different pursuits and then that downfall and the negative side to it all which is you know your self-image is affected when you are putting yourself out there and when you're doing things that put you in a position to be critical it's something that I think is actually really human to struggle with but now that content creation and being an influencer in this entire industry the creative arts industry photography modeling has kind of become democratized and 
Really, anybody with an iPhone can become a content creator or become an influencer. It does concern me how how this will affect our younger generation. So as a 27-year-old in this industry, I feel old (laughs) because content creation is largely now an industry of young creators of Gen Z, TikTok influencers, you know, kids as young as 15, 16, becoming famous overnight. And I know a lot of young people that follow me, current students, young adults who aspire to be in this industry and either aspire to be full-time content creators or want to work on the marketing side or in PR because it is a fun industry to work in. It is being creative for your job, but there's also a lot of downsides to it. And being at the age I'm at now, I'm incredibly grateful that my brain is fully developed to be at this point in history where I'm able to be self-aware and recognize when things are affecting my mental health and take a step back or disconnect or, you know, place those boundaries for myself. Whereas if this was me 10 years ago, first getting into this industry, like I can imagine myself as a young model, if that would have been me as a young TikTok creator, putting yourself out there and dealing with the commentary and critique and eyes of your peers and the popularity of the For You page, it would have greatly impacted my mental health beyond what it does now. And so I think one reason why I wanted to share this story and this experience is just to like be an open book when it comes to these things because I know so many other creatives who feel this same type of um, pursuit of perfection and self-competition and feeling like you're not good enough when You are doing your best and creating things that you feel proud of but maybe don't resonate with others or don't go viral. I wanted to share this as a reminder that like so many people feel that way, myself included, and it's been a very long journey for me to get to this point where I do feel more comfortable opening up on the internet and sharing pieces of my life like this story, like talking about my mental health, like sharing images of myself that are not edited to change the way my face looks or the way my body looks, but it is a long journey. And whether or not you struggle with mental illness, social media is something that can affect your mental health and it probably has in some form or another. And it's not going away anytime soon. So especially if you are interested in this industry or work in a capacity that is related to social and marketing and creative and influencers, how can we find better ways to set those boundaries, to educate others on how to practice self-care, on how to identify when your mental health is struggling, what to do in those instances, how to tell an edited photo from a real photo and recognizing that everything that you see online has probably been edited or curated in some way and that imposter syndrome that you feel when others are quote-unquote living their best life and sharing their highlight reel it isn't reality those are the conversations i want to be having on this podcast on self-care sunday this is why i started this podcast and 
I have struggled in some instances to be 100% vulnerable on here because it is not always pleasant being vulnerable. Like, it's really hard. But I want to share more of these conversations uh, with you guys. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please screenshot and share to your stories. Tag at Self Care Sunday. It really helps the show get discovered by more people. I'm going to leave this episode here and wrap it at that. I feel like I shared everything I wanted to for today. So I hope you enjoy your week. And until next time, happy Self Care Sunday, everyone.